Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. Chuck. I'm flying. I'm flying. Chuck, uh, Chuck Bryan is sleeping right now. I'm flying. Um, so he appears good. to be having some sort of dream, possibly a lucid dream. I'm flying. It's great. Ch- are you awake, Chucky? That's so lame. It was. Should we keep it? Sure. Okay. Yeah, how was your How was your sleep? You feeling refreshed? I am. I'm feeling great and awake. And you were flying just now? I was. Were you uh, aware that you were flying in the dream and that maybe that's a little abnormal? I was. Well, Chuck, my friend, you were having what is called a lucid dream. Wow. We should talk about that. Yeah, we should. I mean, like, this is this is podcast gold. You just happen to be having I a know. lucid dream. So weird. And both of us have the How Lucid Dreams Work uh, article in front of us. Right in front of us. Written by Katie Lambert. Yeah. Who's actually an editor by day and apparently a lucid dream writer by night. Right. And we should say that this, we have probably gotten more fan mail requests for lucid dream podcasts than any other. I mean, literally dozens and dozens of requests for this. So well, we we can't read down uh, the the list of names because I haven't kept them. But this is for all of you. Yes, thanks to all of you for writing in and saying, "Do it now." So we are. Yep, this is it. Let's just get this over with, shall we? I think so. <laughs> We're going to teach you how to lucid dream, so you won't ever have to. You know, you can do it yourself. Which I find interesting. Are you planning on doing this? I'm going to try it for I, sure. I'm going to try it too if I can remember. I get very tired before I sleep. I've heard that. Yeah. So back to the beginning, right? All right, Chuck. Um, so while you were flying in your dream, yes, the fact that you were aware that you were flying and that it was weird, and the, aware that I was dreaming, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. That w- that is what makes it a lucid dream. Yep. That's pretty much it. A lucid dream is a dream where we realize we're dreaming. Right. That's the hallmark of it, right? But you're still dreaming, and you you can control what happens in your dream. That, my friend, is up for debate. Oh, is it? Yes. The control part is up for debate. We'll be that way. There's nobody. <laughs> it's not me, buddy. I, I would never say that to you if, if other people hadn't already. You're right. Um, there, there, uh, there is a big debate actually over, you know, not whether, whether or not, uh, lucid dreams exist. That's right. taken as fact. True. But whether or not we can control what goes on in our dreams. Sure. Which is the other aspect of lucid dreaming. Right. Generally. Like, you know, it. what did, did you, uh, adjust your yaw at any point in time while you're flying in your dream? <laughs> you have great yaw control. Do you really? Yeah. Nice. So, uh, Chuck, let's, let's get, let's kick this puppy off, shall we? Okay. Are you going to kick this puppy off? You know, lucid dreaming has been around for a while, Chuckers. Yeah, I think they um, said they tra- uh, traced it back to the 1800s, and or, <laughs> even no, even before Aristotle, right? You know, what's funny is you just confused your research for uh, body dysmorphic disorder. Oh, did I? Yeah, which uh, we'll get to in about 20 minutes, right? Or two or three days for you folks. Yeah. Okay, yes, Aristotle, much further back than the 1800s, wrote about lucid dreaming. He did. He didn't call it lucid dreaming, but he described it in one of his uh, writings. Um, And apparently Tibetan Buddhists have been engaged in trying to control their dreams, lucid dreaming, uh, not quite as far back as Aristotle, if I'm incorrect, because I think Aristotle came, oh, a thousand or so years before Buddha. But uh, they have something called dream yoga. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. It does. The name alone sounds pretty cool. Have you ever done yoga? Yeah. It's pretty difficult. Yeah. I, th- I found it difficult. It is. 
I don't like bending over. Right. Plus, I think uh, being you know a slightly overweight thirty-eight-year-old is not the time to start doing yoga. Well, the, the, apparently, there's never a wrong time to start, but you True. just kind of have to go in and go. I'm going to shoot a duck at some point in time. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It's a young man's sport, if you yeah, ask me. It is. It requires more yaw control than either one of us <laughs> yeah, are capable time. of. Downward dog. So tell me a little bit about dream yoga, Chucker. Josh, uh, dream yoga, as you said, Buddhist. Why are you giggling? That's funny. Uh, that is uh, your, your goal. There is to probe your consciousness, and uh, basically, it's sort of like enlightenment. Bring yourself to a constant state of awareness. Right. Because I mean, if you're, which is a, a tenet of Buddhism, like yeah, just to see things as they are. Mm-hmm. But why waste all of your, you know, conscious awareness on, um, I guess, waking life? Why, you know, take time off while you're sleeping? Yeah. So apparently, dream yoga is actually like being cognizant that you're dreaming, right? And then saying, "Okay, why am I dreaming about this?" Or, you know, why is that dog attacking me rather than, you sure. know, curling up in my feet? Or- right. So it's a goal for constant awareness. And they figured, "Hey, why take the night off? Let's just carry this right into sleep." Right. Because that's what Buddhists do. They have a work ethic like you would not believe, my yeah. friend. How do you feel about that? About people going up to like the mountains and just meditating for their entire lives? Productive member of society or no? Oh yeah, why not? What are they doing? It's it, the, like that's the most egocentric pursuit a human can engage in. You think going sequestering yourself from the rest of humanity to to achieve nirvana or enlightenment? I love it. And just you know probably dying the moment you get it. Uh huh. What what's the point? What have you done as a social animal? Which humans are right by nature? You have brought nothing to the table. You probably didn't even bother to reproduce while you were up there. <laughs> Well, I think there are many paths, my friend, in that uh, you don't have to be a contributing member of society to be validated as a human. You're a hippie. <laughs> I, I think I'm just jealous. I would love to spend the rest of my life on a mountaintop oh, somewhere. Oh, my God. I would get so bored. Mm-hmm. I would drive myself crazy if I had to be alone in a cave yeah, see, that's not with your myself. Bag. I would go nuts, dude. Yeah. All right. So that's dream yoga, which is also called non-dual awareness. Right. Right? It's another name for it. Yeah, which mystics like to call it, but it's essentially the same thing. It's exploring what's going on in your dreams and trying to figure out why, which actually kind of falls into one um, one uh, camp uh, of the explanation for dreams. Right. It's pretty much split down the middle between physiological and psychological. Uh-huh. That would be – that would subscribe to the psychological camp, that when we dream, we're basically our, – our innermost fears, desires – uh, but the, you know how when they say like um, uh, the uh, a drunk person, the words of a drunk man, or the thoughts of a sober man. Yeah, in vino veritas. I think is that right? Well, I mean, similar concept. My goodness, Chuck. You like that? In wine, there's truth. Of course, we all know that. Gotcha. Sure. Um, man, I'm impressed with you right now. Because <laughs> I spoke a dead language. Yes, <laughs> it's not dead though. You're going to get us some listener mail. I know. Um, the, the so the the psychological camp, which was spearheaded by Sigmund Freud, right. said that you know, our dreams are trying to tell us something, essentially. Your mind is telling you something like, hey, um, you eat way too many donuts because your mother neglected to breastfeed you. Something like that. Sure. Especially along the Freudian lines, because everything was about sex and specifically having sex with your mother to Freud. Yeah, a lot of it came back to that, for sure. Although he did say sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. That is true as well. But no, to him, anything that was even slightly phallic in nature represented a phallus and anything that was an opening or a hole or something like that 
was vaginal in nature. He saw the world very much in black and white. He did. And he was the product of his society, the uber-repressed Victorian society. Right, true. So, I mean, his theories were kind of dated. Yeah, I would guess so. And uh, actually, Did he lucid dream or? Uh, not that I, not that I am aware of. Okay, I'm curious. You know who did? Sure. A Dutch psychiatrist named Fr- Frederick von Aden. He's the guy who came up with the word lucid dreaming, and he was actually uh, very much into his dreams. He kept count of them, and he found that he flew in a lot of them, and apparently that he could control them. And this is where the lucid dreaming, the term lucid dreaming, came from. Pretty cool. He also said that there were uh, nine different kinds of dreams, and only nine. Yeah, I'd like to see that list. I didn't see that list anywhere. I know, but I could see that. Yeah, my dreams are generally kind of I could categorize into nine different groups. I find the number nine daunting. That's a lot of different dreams I have to have at night. I don't I don't want that kind of responsibility. Right. You know? Well, I don't think you always have to have all nine. I think that that's just the, the broad category they would fall under. Okay. Like you may always have dreams that you're naked at work, which means whatever. I'm not even sure what that means. I don't either. What do you think that means? I don't know. I mean, when you go to dream books and things like that, there's usually a bunch of different conflicting theories. I used to have a dream that my teeth were either falling out or being, or shattering. And I've heard different uh, different explanations you for that. You are joking me. Have you had that one too? It's a no, common one. No, it's just, it's that, that, wow. It's that jamais vu again. No, it's not. It's deja vu. No, it's not. It's you bringing up something that's already been brought up. Have I said this before? Dude, this happens a lot, Chuck. Eggs Benedict. Ah, uh, right. Mo Betta. Okay. I mean, come on, Chuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no... No explanation for this. So uh, I think w- if if you are having a lucid dream where you're in control mm-hmm. and you still show up to work naked, does that make you a sicko? Yes. Okay. For sure. Well, Chuck, uh, lucid dreaming and the, the fact that it's even uh, a concept that's being discussed right now, the, the only reason we schlubs are talking about it is because of a guy named uh, Stephen LaBerge. Yeah, he's, he's kind of the leading researcher uh, for this. He's a Stanford guy. Stanford man. Yeah. Uh, psycho uh, psychophysiologist. Yeah, which I imagine term. you go, you get some schooling to get that title. Yeah, probably some dark days in that man's life with that kind of title. Yeah, and he got one from Stanford, which legitimizes him to a certain extent, in my opinion. Right. He but, calls himself a dream sailor. Which delegitimizes him yeah. to a certain extent, in my opinion. I would call myself a psychophysiologist yeah, personally. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the leading uh, man in this category, and he runs uh, workshops, actually, where he will teach you how to lucid dream. And apparently they ain't cheap. No, a few thousand dollars, right? Yeah, and he'll also say that, uh, and I'm not saying this guy's a scammer, of course. It might, might be completely valid, but he says, oh, sometimes it'll take you several months of this to- uh, Several workshops. Right, several yeah. paychecks right. to uh, learn how to lucid dream. And you can either go to uh, Dr. LaBerge's um, lucid dreaming workshop, or you can just read this article, because there's some actual um, methods of teaching how-, how to lucid dream. Right. We're not going to do that right now, though, are we? No. I think we should talk a little bit about dreaming, the part of the brain. Remember I said that there's two camps, psychological. Yeah. Right? Uh, and then the physiological. Sure. The physiological kind of came onto the scene in uh, 1977, I believe. came on uh, like gangbusters. Well, Josh, I think before we can talk about how to lucid dream, we should talk about what lucid dreaming actually is on the uh, bio- – or not biological, but – the physiological, physiological side? side? Yeah, that's the other camp. There's a psychological and then there's the physiological yeah. as well. Right. So we know we do know that lucid dreaming occurs during REM sleep, which right. is the fifth uh, sleep stage right. when your body is just 
basically motionless. Your your body's literally paralyzed. Right. Figu- uh, figuratively paralyzed. And you don't have any sensory input as far as anybody knows. Right. Um, and you can't move except for your yeah, eyelids. Yeah, your eyelids. And they this uh, Stephen character has researched, uh, set up studies where they would have a pre-planned eye movement, correct? When yeah. you feel yourself falling into a lucid dream, right. that you would signal the uh, researcher, hey, I'm having a lucid dream now. Right. So uh, LaBerge and uh, some of his crew hooked up some people who, I guess, reportedly had lucid dreams to an electroencephalogram and measured the, their brain activity, the mm-hmm. electrical activity in their brains, um, and then, yeah, prearranged a signal. I, I didn't – did you get the impression what the signal was, but – like no. maybe it fluttered or something like that? I don't know. Maybe a, a certain pattern of eye flutters or something. I don't know. Basically, it was somebody communicating from their, their dream state. Yeah, pretty creepy. They were saying, I'm, I'm having a lucid dream right now. That is super creepy and super cool. Yeah. But that's the closest, that's the only evidence that we have, the only physical evidence that we have that there is such a thing as lucid dreams. Right. But it actually worked, right? It did work. And that's that's not really supposed to happen, Chuck. Like, we're, we're basically, our brain's supposed to be shut down, or at least the part of the brain that is um, capable of, you know, sending a message from the dream world, right? you know, to the waking life world where a bunch of people are standing around you in white lab coats, like, watching your eyelids. Good point. Thanks. <laughs> Very astute. Thanks. So, Chuck, what was that? I don't know. Um, what's going on in the actual brain to, that, that could explain lucid dreaming? Because, we, you know, we shouldn't, or we should be basically slaves to our dream states. Well, there's a, uh, a doctor at Berkeley, you know, this Matthew Walker character. Ooh, la, la. <laughs> Dr. Matthew he's Walker. A, he's a New York cardiologist. Is he really? No. Oh. He, uh, he's the director of a sleep lab in California and, at Berkeley, and he, and I think this theory kind of makes sense to me. Uh, the lateral prefrontal cortex is uh, the part of the brain that deals with logic. Right. And what he thinks is uh, during REM sleep, this part of the brain is supposed to be asleep, but it, he thinks it's possible that it actually wakes up. So uh, your dream state and logic are both firing at the same time. Right. So the dreamer is able to kind of recognize that you're actually dreaming. Right. Because that makes sense. You know, if the logical part of your brain is working, you'd be like, I don't really fly. Right, of course. <laughs> I must be dreaming. And, or I'm falling now and I'm going to die. Yes. Or... Another common dream. How about a... Apparently, uh, lucid dreams are often sexy, sexy dreams. True. That's Imagine what that hear. level of control. Erotic in nature. Yeah. I, I have a lot of celebrity dreams where I'm friends with uh, some of my celebrity heroes. Wow. <laughs> I have them all the time. Well, not all the time. I have like five or six really detailed good ones a year that I'm like buddying around with Larry David or Gene Ween. Bo and, and Luke Duke. <laughs> yeah, Bo and Luke Duke, yeah. the three of us. Yeah. I'm riding shotgun. <laughs> I'll bet. Yeehaw. I do, though. My wife, Emily always cracks up. She thinks it's funny. So, Chuck, let's um, undermine Stephen LaBerge's thousands of dollars per workshop. Come on. And... Teach people how to have lucid dreams. Okay, let's do it. At the very least, we're going to give you a few techniques that you could try. We make um, absolutely no claims that this will work, so don't even try to sue us no. if it doesn't. But it's worth a shot. I think it it, it makes sense. First, the first thing you have to be good at is dream recall. Yeah, that's kind of like the, the, the setup you should do is keep a dream diary. They say a dream journal, and uh, you know keep some paper and a pen next to your bed. And when you wake up, write down what you were dreaming, even if it's in the middle of the night, and um, as you as you do that, you'll become more attuned to the process, and you'll kind of train yourself to remember your dreams. 
Yeah. So that's a good start. Yeah. And uh, I, another another good technique, I guess, is a mnemonic induction of lucid dreaming. You heard of this one? M-I-L-D, mild? Yeah. 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 Lame. Uh, this is one of LeBerge's techniques. Yeah. So apparently he's giving it away. Sure. Um, basically what you do is uh, when you wake up from a dream, you try to recall it. Mm-hmm. Important. Um, and then as you're going back to sleep, this apparently would work best in the middle of the night. Right. When you go back to sleep, you are you you keep reminding yourself that you're about to start dreaming. Pretty soon you're gonna you're going to dream again, and you actually want to go back to the last dream you had. Right. So you're you're controlling things from the outset. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you get to that dream again, you're, you're going to start. You want to actively look for what Leberge calls dream signs. The dream sailor calls these dream signs. <laughs> um, detail, right? Right. Well, like if you have wings or you're flying. Right. Uh, so you're looking for these kind of things, and uh, you remind yourself that you're dreaming, um, and that apparently puts you in the driver's seat of your dreams and can give you lucid dreams that would, you're in control of. I would have called myself the dream weaver. You really missed I would, out, I would missed never out call you that. Okay. Um, they say, and this was a, a little extra research, Josh, I'm going to lay on you. Um, there's some old Mexican and Indian techniques in their cultures where you can look at your hands during a dream. Have you heard that one? No. Apparently, if you look at your hands during a dream, that's a signal that you can take control of it from that point on. But I guess you would have to be in control to look at your hands in the dream, so I don't know about that one. Yeah. But I, I'd be more willing to trust some like ancient culture uh, practice than than this uh, crackpot out in California. Well, they have uh, they have more staying power. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I'm going to try that one. I'm going to try and see if I can look at my hands, because I, I don't notice if I even see my hands in my dreams. Well, my all-time favorite uh, lucid dreaming technique is called reality testing. Yeah, laid on me. And it actually falls in line with the uh, Buddhist uh, dream yoga, mm-hmm. uh, where basically you walk around all day going, I'm in my waking state. I'm in conscious reality. Like when I open, when I turn this doorknob, this door is going to open and it's just going to be a regular room behind it because I can predict things mm-hmm. because this world is based on rationality and logic, Right. right. So you basically just remind yourself that you're not dreaming all day in the hopes that when you start to dream, you will be aware of the separation, the border between uh, our dream state and waking life. And you can carry this over and say, now I'm dreaming. Right. When I open this door, there's going to be like an eight-headed dog on the other side. Do you have to speak like that in your dreams? I've heard it helps. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's that's how I talk when I'm dreaming or when I'm reminding myself of anything. Like, no, I've got to take the garbage out tonight. (laughs) Yeah. I should really not drink this evening. That kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. I know that's a dream. Uh, uh, Nova Dreamer, you want to talk about this thing? The, I guess. This is an actual contraption that uh, the, the same doctor in California, LaBerge, has built, I guess. And it is, uh, Katie describes it as a cross between a sleep mask and goggles. So you wear this puppy when you go to sleep. And what it does is when it, when it knows you're in REM sleep, uh, sensors track your eye movements to, to let it know. And then it shines a light in your eye. Right. It's kind of like looking at your hands. Yeah. The ancient technique, but you have a reliable uh, reminder. Right. So it shines a light in your eye, and in your dream, I mean, I guess you stay asleep. I personally would wake up if someone's shining a light in my eye. You'd be like, what the? Yeah, exactly. And uh, so that's the signal. You know you're dreaming at the time, and uh, you just take it from there. Yeah. Flying. Can we, can we be done with this now? Well, I think the, the $25,000 question, Josh, have you ever 
had a lucid dream. I I don't you know what Chuck I don't remember my dreams very often. Really? I have Yes, I have once. Let's hear it. Do you really want to hear it? Well, a truncated version, sure. Uh <laughs> the 22 minute version? Yeah. Um I, I I was basically I had a theme song. Okay. I wasn't actually a pimp, but like kind of like in the very slangy t- ver- version of the word pimp, like it just kind of walking along like what's up, yeah, right? Yeah. You're sure. Uh my dog ran past me, but it was a she was a balloon dog, mm-hmm. like a balloon animal. Cool. And um, that was about it. That was about all I remember. But uh, it was one of the very few times where I was ever like, this is cool. And that to me is about the same as I'm dreaming. Right. Like it's I was aware that I was enjoying like this dream sure. while I was in the dream. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's probably the, the closest I've had to a lucid dream. Ask me. Well, Chuck, is it time for listener mail? <laughs> oh, Chuck, tell me about your lucid dream, buddy. Well, I don't have one specifically, but it does happen to me from time to time. Okay. Where I'll be aware that I'm dreaming and really digging the dream and manipulating where I'm going in the dream. And uh, Where do you go? Well, wherever. Disney I, World? Wherever I feel like at the time. So where? <laughs> Provence? I'm a dream sailor, so <laughs> you can't box me in. Yeah. Wherever the high seas you take me. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I've, I've lucid dreamt, and I also um, am pretty good at waking up from a dream mm-hmm. that I was really enjoying and falling back asleep and, and going back into that dream. So you just love to tease yourself, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a light sleeper, so. Have you ever heard that if you tell people about your dreams, they'll like if you have a nightmare and you tell somebody the nightmare in detail, like you won't have it again? I have not. What's up with that? And I've had plenty of recurring dreams, too. Oh, well, if you ever have a dream that you're saddled with, a nightmare or something like that, the Try sooner you tell somebody about it, mm-hmm. the uh, the more likely you are to not have it the next time you go to sleep. Dr. Clark speaks. Yeah, that's it for me. We're going to do a, a big dream podcast at some point. Yeah, we fear were gonna not. We're going to do that. But, this, uh, the, the, the How Dreams Work article is thick and yes. voluminous and filled with stats and numbers, and Chuck and I are drooling over it. So look so, for yeah. how dreaming works in the future. Absolutely. Until then, Chuck, let's do uh, listener mail. Josh, I'm going to call this uh, Stuff We Should Know, and uh, I also have a special little shout-out at the end of it. Oh, really? There's nothing to do with the mail. Okay. So this is from uh, Mason in Ames, Iowa. And remember when we talked about the uh, carbon dioxide pipelines Mm -hmm. and how there's never been any uh, Mm -hmm. accident deaths and that kind of thing? Right. Or there's been accidents but no fatalities. Wait, hold on. How, How did it go? Let's listen. We're talking between 1986 and 2006. There have only been 12 CO2 uh, pipeline leaks with no injuries. and None? Uh, yeah, none. Zip. And over the same period, more than 5,000 accidents with, and 107 fatalities with uh, liquid um, petroleum pipelines. Right. So, whoop, whoop. It sounds like CO2 pipelines are way safer, but there's again, a lot there's a lot fewer. Yeah. Boy, that was a good one. That was awesome. <laughs> whoop, whoop, indeed. So Mason uh, says, greetings, Joshers and Chuckarino. Which is a little casual, I thought. I thought so, too. Mason, it's clean Mr. up your Chuck to you, Mason. Uh, he says he just listened to the CCS uh, Carbon Capture podcast. Oh, he's using CCS to impress his friends. Yeah, and he actually wrote down abbreviation, which I thought was kind of funny. I, I wonder if he's, I can't say. He grew up in a small town called uh, Muleshoe, Texas. Sweet. And he says... Um, that should make my uh, listener mail read-worthy already, and he's right. But he said he grew up 13 miles west of Muleshoe, and about five miles from our house, there was a station on a carbon dioxide pipeline that tapped the CO2 and stored it in those huge cylindrical tanks. 
and it was uh, shipped on big semi trucks from that plant. Yeah. So he says, way back in 2002, there was a catastrophic failure in one of the tanks, and it actually killed a worker and injured three others. So uh, the explosion shook all the dishes in our house from five miles away. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah. And his father, who's an Air Force pilot, said he initially thought the noise was a uh, sonic boom from a jet. So he said it didn't ex- uh, result from a leaking pipeline, but if there would have been no pipeline, there would have been no accident. Yeah, well, sorry about that, Mason. Sorry we overlooked the local tragedy there. In Muleshoe. I'm surprised we didn't hear about that. Yeah. And now, Josh, for our special little shout-out. What is it, Chuck? This is to Sully, who is... Uh, Sounds like one of your pals. Yeah, it's a little kid. His mom wrote in. His mom, Kristen, wrote in from Southern California. Mm-hmm. And I know Jerry was a big fan of this email as well. And if you read them, you would be as well. Uh-huh. And uh, Sully is Sullivan. He just sounds like a really cool little kid. He's about my nephew's age, mm-hmm. uh, 11 years old, I Noah? think. Yeah, my co- my uh, cousin. My nephew, Noah, yep. who is a very cool, smart kid. And they uh, are both big fans of Mythbusters, and they're really smart and into school and stuff. Sure. And Kristen just wrote us in to thank us, and I'm not going to read her email, but um, we just wanted to say hi to Sully, and uh, thanks for listening, little buddy. Stay in school. Keep studying. Drink your milk. Keep keep, keep up what you're doing, because uh, your mom says you're a really cool, groovy kid. He, he loves Modest Mouse. Right on, Sully. At 11. I mean, come on. And That's They Might Be cool. Giants. Nice. And I believe my uh, nephew Noah is a big They Might Be Giants fan as well. So. Well, sweet. Dude. So we Two just cool wanna, kids. Yeah, I want to say hi, and uh, thanks for the support, and keep listening. Yeah. Thank you, Sully. And uh, thank you, Mason. Thank you to everybody who listens to us. If you want to send us an email describing how you built the birdhouse in your soul, you can send that to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?